Bible, please, and turn to John's Gospel, chapter number one. John's Gospel, chapter number one. I'm thrilled at the privilege and the opportunity that I have to be here again and to be here on this Sunday when uh, Brother Fugit called and asked me if I had January the 12th available. I looked at my calendar and I told him that I did have it open and he said, well, <clears throat> he said, if you'll come and preach for me, he said, one of the men in the church has made available to us a couple of tickets to go to Rupp on Saturday. And uh, I said, hey, that settles it. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, I, you know, <clears throat> my predecessor, Dr. Hudson, used to talk about how his family, he, he said he was, he was raised on drugs. He said, they drugged me to Sunday school and drugged me to church and, you know, well, he drugged me to Rupp yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, no, we, uh, <clears throat> I think I've probably told you before, of course, growing up in western Kentucky and, and uh, every, every boy born in this state, you know, the fetal position for a boy's hands in, born in Kentucky fits a basketball. Now, some of you didn't know that, but it's true. And uh, so to get to go to Rupp yesterday, in fact, we were talking earlier in the week on the phone, and I told him, I said, I'm so excited about Saturday and Sunday and then I said wait a minute wait a minute that's not right I'm not even thinking straight I said I'm excited about Sunday and Saturday <laughs> so you know I'm just letting you know I mean so, we, we all have to work at keeping our priorities straight right we do but uh, I appreciate the privilege she and I spent much of the day together yesterday and and the basketball game was kind of a treat I don't do much of that at all, but I, I enjoy it when I do. But, uh, but that was yesterday, and today's today, and we're here for some very special reasons today. The Lord's Day is always a special time, and uh, to get to come like you do Sunday after Sunday to Clay's Mill and be a part of the ministry here, that is special indeed. Appreciate Brother Fugit and the work that he does here on campus and well beyond that. And we're grateful we get to borrow him once in a while for some of the things that we do as well. And so we're glad that your ministry and ours can dovetail together in so many, many ways. We're thankful for that. John's Gospel, chapter number one. You know, when I lead somebody to Christ, and, uh, and I, I still do that uh, after a lot of years, uh, I didn't grow up around folks who were doing that, but but when I found out it could be done and that a little short guy like me could do it, I just kind of got into it wholesale and I've had the privilege over the years to see a lot of, a lot of people come to Christ. And when I lead people to Christ, um, one of the things that I try to do uh, promptly is to advise them a little bit about what they ought to do and how, what they ought to do next and, and the things that ought to follow uh, them coming to Christ. And uh, obviously one of those things, as Pastor encouraged you already this morning about reading your Bible, uh, I will say to them, I think you ought to begin reading the Bible. Now, I always try to start them in some place that will be fairly easy. Now, it's not that the Bible is terribly complicated, but there are some sections of it that I would not suggest they begin. For example... Um, the book of Revelation is at the end of the Bible, and it's probably for a reason. You ought to read some of the rest of it first. Amen? 
Now, what I usually do, I recommend to them, I say, why don't you start in the Gospel of John? Now, the Gospel of John has many, many profound things in it, but they are presented simply. Or if they're not presented simply, there is an explanation that simplifies it. And it's just a great place to begin. Now, I read right at the top of the chapter number one this morning, and if you'll keep your Bible open, I want to show you a few things this morning that I like for folks to figure out once they have come to Christ. Verse 1, chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, wait a minute. Let me stop there and show you how this works. Uh, somebody that doesn't have familiarity with the Bible, nobody's told. They said, the Word, who is the Word? What is the Word? Well, it tells you in verse 14. Goes on to explain it. It's a profound statement, verse 1, but it's simplified and explained in verse 14 when it says there, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, folks, there's only one person who's ever lived on the planet that fits that bill, only one. And that's the Lord Jesus. And so when this verse number one says, in the beginning was the word, that is a title. The word is a title for the Lord Jesus. The verse goes on to say, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, <laughs> and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you go out in the world and talk to people and ask them what they think about the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll get a lot of interesting answers. There are people, and many of them in the academic world or the political world, the scientific world, uh, many of them would say to you, oh, well, well yes, uh, they, they know that Jesus was a real person in history, and uh, they would acknowledge that. And uh, they would also, some of them would say, oh, and what a, what a fabulous teacher he was. Others would say, well, you know, he was among the greatest of the philosophers. Or they would give some kind of uh, endorsement in that regard. Uh, all of which is true. Yes, he did live historically. Yes, he was a great teacher and preacher. And, uh, and indeed, if you want to say he was a philosopher, I, I guess that would be okay as well. But he is far more than all of that. Far greater than Plato, far greater than Socrates, far greater than all of the historic, political, and scientific figures in the world because this passage tells us that he was not only what the world wants to acknowledge, but um, he also was and is God. And I'm talking about the God who is God, not the God that somebody whittled out of uh, wood or stone, not some man-made God, but God who is God. I mean, he is that person. So he is God way beyond the status of being a teacher or a philosopher, he is God. <laughs> and so much so, this passage also tells us that he's the creator. Verse number three says, all things 
That, that's every planet, every star. I mean, I mean, everything in this universe was made by him. In fact, it goes on to clarify and explain. Nothing that was made was made without him. He made it all. So he is the creator. So when we talk about the Lord Jesus, who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about God. We're talking about the creator. And then that 14th verse that I, that I noted, uh, it says that he is the, the incarnate one, meaning he is enfleshed. He is put in human flesh. That was not his beginning. When he was born in Bethlehem, that was not day one. He was, is God from all of the eons of eternity's past and will be God for all of the eternity's future. And that makes him something so very special because God the Father uh, designed a plan whereby the, the Lord Jesus, God the Son, would be birthed in human flesh for a very specific purpose. So who is he? He is God. He's the creator. He is the incarnate one. And this passage lays out so clearly that he is the savior of men. Verse 7 says that, the, the, uh, that John the Baptist came to bear witness of him so that all men through him might believe. Verse 17 uh, says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Verse number 29, John the Baptist made the great announcement that he was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. So the God who is God, who is the Creator, who is the incarnate one, is also the Savior of men. Now why is that important? Because everybody living is one day going to be dying. Everybody lives and everybody dies. And when we die, we are not done. When we die, there's more to come. Uh, you're in Lexington, Nicholasville, Kentucky right now. But the fact is, one of these days, you will die, I will die, and at that point, you'll either be in one of two places. You'll either be in heaven or in hell. And the fact is, if you're going to miss hell, and if you're thinking with any degree of sensibility at all, you want to miss that. If you miss hell, you've got to have a Savior. You, you, can't, you can't do it with your pocketbook. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't buy a day off. You couldn't, buy, you couldn't buy a vacation out of hell. I mean, you cannot escape hell because of your pocketbook. You can't escape it because of your influence. You can't escape it because of who you know, where you've been. None of that. The fact is we have to have somebody who will enable us and get us. I mean, we have to have total help. I mean, if I were to say to you, why don't you fly to the moon today? You'd say, well, I, I don't think I can do that, and I'd agree, you can't do it. Now, we've had some people we sent to the moon, but, uh, you know, we figured out a way to, to get them there, but they're not going to just jump up and fly, flap their arms and, and go. And you're not going to go to heaven just because you say, hey, I think I'll handle this myself. You're not going to be able to do that because it is an impossibility that takes a divine touch, I mean the, the touch of omnipotence, all power has to be implemented in order to get us from earth to heaven and to keep us out of hell. So he is the Savior. This passage goes on to say that he, he is the Lord. He's light. He's the truth. All of that is laid out for us in this passage. Now, once that's been done, uh, I would have you to notice that a big announcement was made. In chapter 1 there, verse 29 
John the Baptist made the big announcement when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. If you read the Old Testament, you know that there was a sacrificial system in place and now God is providing a sacrifice that is going to be made for me and for you and it will be once for all so that it is done and the deal is done entirely. When we sing Jesus paid it all, that's exactly the truth. He did pay our whole debt. John the Baptist made that big announcement. The Lamb of God has come. God's sacrifice on our behalf and it's done for the sin of the world. Now, a lot of the folks in that time frame, right there in that setting in Jerusalem, a lot of them took that to heart. In fact, when you get to verse 40, 41 up through 45, <coughs> you find the details of two guys, one named Andrew and one, one named Philip. Uh, Andrew had a brother that uh, he wanted to tell about the Savior. I mean, he heard that announcement. He received the Savior. He embraced him by faith. First thing he wanted to do was go tell his brother. Philip, in verse 44, uh, Philip had a friend. And, and first thing he wanted to do, I mean, he, he heard the message, signed up by faith, all excited that the Messiah, the Savior, had come. And what did he do? He, he wanted to get his friend in as well. So he went out, found Nathaniel, and both of these guys said, we have found it, we have found him, the Messiah has come. And they were all excited to make that announcement so that their family and their friends could get in. I don't know how it is with, <coughs> with all of the, your families, I, I suspect I know, but I think a lot of them were probably like some of the folks who lived in this day. In fact, I'm guessing some of Andrew's family and some of Philip's friends, they were like my family and friends, your family and friends. They had a lot of questions. So when we get to chapter 2 of John's gospel, uh, they're at a wedding, and uh, some things are not working just like they want it to. And the mother of Jesus makes a statement that everybody ought to hear. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. If you've got a Catholic background, you need to listen to what I'm about to say. In fact, I'm going to say, if you've got a Methodist background or a Presbyterian background or a Baptist background, you need to listen to what Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to say. Verse number 5, she said to that crowd that day, she said, whatever he says, do it. Just do it. Now, folks, let me back up. Who is he? He's God. He's the creator. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He is light to this old sin-darkened world, and he is the truth. Every man may be a liar, but he's the truth. And so now that we know he is God's lamb come to be our Savior, we ought to listen to what his mama said. Amen? And she said, you just listen to him, and whatever he says, do it. Now, you're going to start reading your Bible. and You're going to find some things in the Bible. You're going to say, hmm, I don't know that. I hadn't been doing that. But if it's in the Bible, that's the Word of God. Let me, let me get you to go back to chapter 2, verse 5. What are we going to do about that? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll understand it all. Just do it. You'll be all right. You, you'll, you'll never regret following the counsel that Jesus gives and that the Word of God gives. Now, you get to chapter 3. I did, I did tell you, 
I did tell you, new converts, I want, them, I want them to get through this book of John, didn't I? All right, chapter 3, what do we find? First thing in chapter 3, we run into a guy, I mean, he is a big shot. He's a big shot. He is a prominent Jewish leader. He's got political ties and all of that. And he's wealthy, he's well-tutored. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect to him at all to say he's a big shot. In human terms, he's a big shot. So what does he do? He looks Jesus up in the dark of the night. You know, sometimes folks uh, kind of want to be private about it at first, and that was what he did. But he came in and he said to Jesus, he said, man, you gotta, you got to talk to me here, things I don't understand. Remember, this guy's rich. He's got all kinds of connections. <laughs> and, and you know what Jesus told him? He said, he said, your problem is you need to be born again. Now, so your pocketbook don't fix it. Your position don't fix it. Your prominence don't fix it. No, it takes a Savior who gets you into the family of God. You say, but that guy is somebody well-known. I, mean, I mean, he is somebody. No, he, he needs to know somebody. He, he needs to know the God who is somebody because what, even the fact that he is, I mean, he is one of the top dogs in the country, but he needs the Savior just like everybody else. So you and I glean from that. We need to take our message to folks. I mean, the fact that they're wearing a suit and tie doesn't, doesn't mean we, they're off the hook. No, I mean, man, they may look sharp as can be, but, but they, they not, they're not off the hook. They need, they need what we have, and they need to hear the message that we have. Now, uh, we, we get to chapter 4, and we got another issue. Chapter 4, we're going to learn that he offers the gospel to everybody. You remember that deal in chapter 4? Where the uh, the uh, the woman uh, was found was taken in adultery. Well, guess what? Uh, this this uh, this woman in chapter four was uh, uh, married five times and and uh, living with some guy she's not married to. And you know sometimes people say, "Oh, that person, look at what they're into, and look at they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're doing all this bad stuff and all this wicked stuff." Listen, the point of chapter four is. What he offers to, to one person, he offers to everybody. Everything, everything that he offers, he offers to everybody. I mean, it may, Nicodemus, I mean, he, he was the polished guy. You get to chapter 4, we're, we're talking about somebody who, I mean, they, they're dragging their tracks, they're, 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 they're drinking the drugs of, the, the dregs of society. But Jesus said, come. He invited her in. Now, folks, I'm telling you, 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 you may think you're somebody, or you may be saying to me, I ain't nobody. I know. Hey, listen, whatever you think, I'm telling you, everything that Jesus offers, he offers to everybody. It's not just us fortunate people who are born in Kentucky. It's for everybody. Now, we get to, we get to chapter 5. And uh, there's, there's a principle in chapter 5 uh, in uh, verses 39 and 40. We find out that the will of God, the information that we need, the things that we need, where, where do we find that? Well, we, we discover that by getting hold of the will of God for our life. Very simply put, Jesus said, 
this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which is given me, I lose none. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone should see the Son and believe on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I'm telling you folks, you and I need to get hold of what the will of God is for our life. Now, God doesn't program what you have for breakfast. You can choose what you do for breakfast. I mean, you walk out of the building here this morning. I mean, go out to Brandon Road. You can turn right or you can turn left. That'll be your choice. God will let you do a lot of things in your life. But at the same time, I'm telling you, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. He wants you to follow it. I mean, it's like a road map. It's like an atlas. And if you'll simply pay attention to God's road map for your life, I'm telling you, you're going to wind up the places that will be good for you to be. And so the will of God is a big deal. We get to chapter 6, and there's, there's the case where the, where the little boy, the little boy had the lunch. Jesus had a big crowd, 5,000 people. They were, they were hungry. They all came off without their, uh, without their gift cards to McDonald's, and they were hungry. And uh, the little boy had the lunch. And Jesus said, what do you got? The disciples said, well, we just got this one kid's lunch. He said, bring it to me. He blessed it, multiplied it, and fed the crowd, and uh, big time. Now, you say, what do we learn from that? Little is much when God gets in it. I'm looking at somebody this morning, and I don't know who it is, but I'm telling you, as I look out across here this morning, I'm looking at, in fact, there's more than one. I'm looking at some people this morning, and you say, what can I do? What can I do? What do I amount to do? You, 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 may, you may be like the little boy with the lunch, and you may say, man, my, my little dad, what's it going to mean among so many? Well, I want you to know little is much when God is in it, and he will get in it when you give him what you got. It's not, it's not going to amount to much if you just hang on to it. But if you'll simply say, I'll surrender my life, I'll give myself, I will do what I can do. Not, every, not everybody probably has a voice to sing like the folks did here a few minutes ago, the couple that stood up here. Many of us could not do that. But I guarantee you there is something you can do. And if you'll determine to just let your little be used, you'll find out after a while that God can make much out of little. You get to chapter 7, there's a section on the will of God again. You get to chapter 8, verses 32 and 36 talk about how that the, that the, the, uh, the truth will set you free. 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know, uh, pastor said something about fake news a while ago. You know, if you listen to everybody that's talking in our world today, you're going to hear a lot of lies. Some of them are in the media, some of them are political, some of them are clergy, some of them are this, that, or whatever. But you're going to hear a lot of lies. You say, why is that? Because the devil walks about roaring like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He'll go after you, he'll go after your family, he'll go after your marriage, he'll go after your kids, he'll lie to you, steal, cheat, he'll do every kind of a thing in the world because he is a liar and a murderer from the start, the Bible tells us. And because he, <coughs> he is like that, you and I need to find the truth. Well, one other thing that's said about the Lord Jesus in another place, he said, I am the truth. In fact, in that early chapter there, we read, grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. 
And when you and I want to know the truth, what do we do? We turn to the Bible. Man, I open up the Bible, read the first three chapters, and you won't make a Darwinian out of me. No, no, no. God gave us the truth about how we got here. We didn't evolve from anything. We were created. Now, I mean, we get the truth from God. And it is the truth that will set us free. You may be struggling with drink or drugs or immorality or whatever else that is taking your life some directions and some turns that you don't want it to go. And I'm telling you, reformation is not the deal and rehab, re, rehab is not the deal. But it's the redemption that is offered through the Lord Jesus Christ that makes the difference. Some of us have been at this a while and we've seen it happen over and over and over again. You say, well, you don't ever know who's coming through the front door. You don't ever know who's coming down the aisle. No, and we don't have to worry about it because the God who is God could help everybody. There's nobody, nobody left out of God's plan. Everybody is included in God's plan. You say, you don't know how heavy my load. No, but he loads, and your load is no big deal for him. He can help you. He can get you through. He can enable you whenever you think everything is lost. I want you to know the truth, the truth. The Lord Jesus is the truth, and he will set you free. Now, here's the bottom line. And the Gospel of John's got 21 chapters, and I'm not going to work you through all of them, although we could do it. But I just give you a little sample here out of these first eight chapters to let you know what's in the book. And if, you're, if you've just gotten saved, man, it's full of good stuff that'll help you. And if you haven't, I hope I've given you enough of a sampling of it here that you can say, wow, that's stuff that I need. Now, here's the bottom line. Chapter 8 again, verse 47. Said, says, he that is of God hears God's words. Ye there, you, you therefore hear them not because you're not of God. Now, folks, there is a choice to be made. There is a choice to be made. I made it when I was just a kid growing up in those river bottoms down in western Kentucky. Lived on a dirt road, three farms, three farms and a half a mile on that dirt road. We were the last farm. And one Saturday morning in September, somebody came down that road, came to our house talking about Jesus. I had heard about him. I'd been to church a few times, not many, but a few. I'd heard about him, but nobody had, nobody had told me the details. Nobody explained it to me. But that Saturday morning in September, I got it explained to me. And it made sense to me right, right, right away. Now, I was, I was just a kid. I hadn't, I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't been out doing a lot of the things that, that adult people do in the world. But I got saved that morning just as surely as, uh, I mean, I, I was a sinner. You could ask my mom and dad, they'd tell you I was a sinner. And I got saved that morning just as much so as anybody who ever did. And that was the start of some things for me that I've never regretted. And I want you to know this morning, if you haven't made the start, this 12th day of January is a day when you can make the start. Because the same God who loved me loves you. You may have been kicked around. You may have been spit upon. You may have been trashed out in the world. I'm telling you, there's a God who loves you. 
and who will make your life different and who will make it sweet and blessed. And that's the reason I walked to this microphone this morning to tell you about the Savior and what he can do for you and what he wants from you. And I think it will make all the difference. I know it will. So if you hear God's word and embrace it, the Bible says, whoa, that'll get you identified with him. But if you turn it aside, then uh, that's a whole different story. Listen, let's stand up together. We're going to pray together. There's going to be some music. And I want to extend this morning the invitation to every person in this room who doesn't have it settled. If there hasn't been a morning in September in your life, like I just told you about in mine, if there hasn't been that time when you made the deliberate choice to receive Christ and put your faith in him, listen to me very carefully. When Jesus died on the cross, three days later he arose from the grave. All of that was to pay the sin debt that you and I owe. That was done so that God the Father would be satisfied that a plan of redemption was in place so that you and I could get saved without money, without price, without position, without favor. I mean, we, we, can, come, we can come and be who we are. I mean, just we, we don't have to put all kinds of things in place. We can come to Christ and he will help us put things in place. I want you to know this morning, just as surely as you're standing here with me, the Lord God who is God, the one who's the Savior, the one who was born in Bethlehem, all of that, he is the Savior, and he wants to save you. Father, I do pray this morning. I pray for the folks in this room who may not have this settled yet. Dear Lord, I pray that this would be the morning when they would simply say, I've waited long enough, and I need to get it done now. Dear Lord, I pray for others who may have already been saved, maybe some of the ones that were saved this week. Maybe they need to come this morning and, and get baptized or join the church. And there may be others of us who have been saved a while, and we've let things slip, and we need to come to this altar and sign up all over again here at the outset of the year, redevote ourselves, rededicate ourselves to serve you. Lord, I pray, whatever the need is, whatever in my heart is the need, whatever in the heart of every person in this room is the need, I pray that this morning, just reflecting on the fact of who Jesus is and what he wants of us, dear Lord, I pray that this will be the day that will be life-changing. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment.